Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Pitcher Bet Pod. I am your host, Matt, guest out in Las Vegas. He's back, everybody, is Matt Morris. What's up, dude? Happy New Year 2024. Yeah, man, it was kind of, uh, what, two weeks off? Was, I think, the longest break we've taken in quite a while. Yep. And, you know, I'd love to say we're both coming back fully rejuvenated, but we're in our 30s. So yeah. those days may be gone, uh, but feeling good tonight, man. Uh, a lot of great sports uh, content has come out over the last couple of weeks. I mean, the Packers won. What a wow, awesome thing for us as Packer fans. And yeah, dude. I mean, I'm just I'm still living and and basking in the feeling that we had on Sunday, and just appreciating the fact that my team is still playing here in January. Yeah, it's, it is fun. The Packers won. And like just based on a post that I have two and a half months ago, people think I hate the Packers. So it's super <laughs> fun. Um, but that's a that's the content business that we're in. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, any content's good content, kind of. And a couple of people have followed us. So we know Did they hate us. But what's funny is I was wearing my Yankee up? hat. I was oh. wearing my Yankee hat in the, the video. The far photo was up. But it is kind of hard, like how I sit here. Yeah. Um. On camera, you can't really tell that it's a far photo. I, I guess I could move a little bit. There is a picture of Giannis behind me though, too. But regardless, it's just it, it is funny. They're like, oh, this the Yankee hat like, did you in? For it sure. was a hundred percent the Yankee hat. Yeah. And everyone's like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's all salty and this and that. And I was like, hey, I couldn't have been happier to be wrong. Let's be honest about it. Also, I the best response on social happy. media to those vi- like any comments on past videos is just read the timestamp you morons right? right like this video is 10 weeks old and minimum like but it's funny because on social media i think we're all probably uh we fall victim to this at least those of us that don't create content because i am always reading timestamps just to be like wait when like when do they when what time period was this take on but we know that because we post like i don't think i would pay any attention to it if i if it Absolutely wasn't in our, our reality Absolutely not. No, but everyone, you know, oh, this age like milk. How you feeling now? I'm just like, dude, I feel fucking great <laughs> feel about great it. Right now. Yeah, I feel great. Couldn't be happier. And then our, I think you might have commented on our page like, oh, the Packers actually saw this and started playing better. That that one, you know, that one's pumping up on the likes. But <laughs> yeah, dude, of course we're happy. We're basking in the glory. The Packers are winning. Uh, we have a game against our arch nemesis the niners uh i live in niners country basically so that's always been a good time um for all the times that we've lost and already all my friends that are niners fans just saying oh man we're so happy you guys beat the cowboys <laughs> this is gonna be great and i'm just like i fucking hate all of you yeah well because, and that's like, what the cowboys wish, thought about the packers playing nah, but nah but they didn't they didn't feel it the way the niner fans do you know like yeah. all the cowboy fans are like oh yeah we should beat the packers but right, all the Niner fans are like <laughs> the Packers, and I just I hate them all so much. You know this I, this very like weirdly emanates fantasy football too, where you're like, oh shit, the three seed or the two seed gets knocked out by the guy that you know forgot to set his lineup half the season. Yeah, and you're like, this is Anthony. awesome. Like, oh, shout out Anthony. That's why I'm not in your league. 
Um, <laughs> this is like, this is perfect. Like I'm, I have an easy way to the championship and then they beat you and you're like, how did that happen? Not yeah. saying that that will happen, but it, it could. And that's what just happened this Sunday in regards to, you know, look at the national media, the expectation, and then the ultimate results. Yeah. Well, in the sheer sadness and disappointment, right? Um, we we will get to the Cowboys. They're not at the top of the list for the bar tab here today, but let's get into the podcast. We have a lot of content that we want to cover today, a lot of topics, all coming off of, as they call it, super wild card weekend in the NFL. We wanted to start with the losers first because I think the bigger storylines now stem off of what is next for insert XYZ team here that is now no longer playing. Their bags are packed. They're on their way to Cancun, whatever it might be. Um, the first team that I did want to talk about here is the team that didn't have a lot of expectations, but did have a lot of hype around them. Uh did have a lot of hype around them coming into the playoffs saying, Oh man, this team could get hot. This team could get really, really going and win the Super Bowl." is the Cleveland Browns. And I think my main takeaway from the Browns going home is if you're a Cleveland Brown fan, player, coach, front office, I don't think you have anything to hang your head about. They overperformed at the end of the day. They overachieved expectations with Nick Chubb going out game two, Watson being out for, it felt like the whole year, but I think in total about two months. And it shows they never really had a real chance at winning the Super Bowl, right? I think ultimately Joe Flacco's turnover issue was always going to be their Achilles heel and wasn't sustainable for a playoff run. They needed him to play perfect football and good old slinging Joe Flacco was the reason that they lost throwing those two pick sixes in the second half. But ultimately Browns fans, nothing to hang your hat on. You play in the best division in football. You made the playoffs. You had a couple big, big wins down the stretch. I think for their offense specifically to take the next step, they need to go out and either sign a guy like T. Higgins if they have the cap space, which I don't know if they do with Deshaun Watson, or find another complimentary receiver to help out Amari Cooper, David Njoku, and we'll see who Chubb is next year. Yeah, man, and I, I watched the beginning portion of that game. Um, and it was actually pretty back and forth until their left guard went out and then I had to kind of get ready and go to work, but they got away from them real quick. And I'm kind of looking at it from the perspective of that left guard kind of was the way of, of, of a loss for the Browns because that young Houston team brought the pass rush, brought the rush on a regular basis. And that line just could not hold up. You saw it from the turnovers as well. You saw as they started to slip away, Joe's turnover problem, as you said, kind of did rear its ugly head. But it was a closer game than I think the box score led on. And that injury was huge. And we kind of talked a few weeks ago about, you know, Williams for the 49ers being such a big, vital piece of that team. We saw what happened when he was out for a game. Um, but I, I agree with you. Overperforming is definitely the word I would use for that organization this year especially with Watson being out. I think you should absolutely look at this like the foundation of our roster construction was correct. We do need to have a healthy quarterback that should still be in his prime and we need him to produce. It would have been a beautiful game if we had Watson against Shroud, but we didn't get that. We got flack over Shroud and CJ played an incredible game. I was really, really impressed 
It had me saying after the game that I would prefer to take CJ Shroud over Patrick Mahomes, which I don't feel as confident <laughs> about right now. But I was really, really impressed. And I think Houston has arguably a top five MVP caliber player in Shroud. And also a guy that's doing it much like Jordan Love is with wide receivers that I, I don't think are elite. Now, I think Shroud's connection with the kid from Michigan is electric and you know i i drafted him in fantasy i wish it would had ma- it had mattered um what's his name matt it's eluding collins. Me. collins dude just a, always in the right place um and the kid from miami the tight end where he absolutely put on the accelerators what if what a run that was awesome to watch where he had a little like slip screen and just absolutely shot out of a cannon so i enjoyed the game um i didn't get to see how, how it got out of hand but that injury was huge, man. Yeah, it was. And what's crazy is they're missing their actual number one receiver, Tank Dell, who was a yeah. rookie this year, who actually was Broke out playing. Yeah, it was bad on a block yeah. uh, down on the goal line. But he was outplaying. Well, I shouldn't say outplaying, but he was more of a favorite target to Stroud than Nico Collins even was pre-injury. So they have a really bright future. Obviously, their season isn't over yet. But to me, watching the game, the... The turnovers are what I mean, two pick sixes, that'll do it, right? So and go ahead. I got some caps for us. Projected caps. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh boy. As always, Saints coming in at minus eighty-two million dollars. Um, but the Browns minus about thirteen. Um Okay. So it's Steelers minus seven and a half. Um, you know, like Browns can probably figure out a way to do something, but if if they do clear some cap, they're going to be looking at that Saints number in three or four years from now once this Watson sure. deal is done. But I, I think it's the time, right? Like if you can push some of this money down the road, like your window is now and screw it. Go for it. Yeah, and you're playing in the toughest division in football. So mm-hmm. we're going to get to the Steelers here in a couple teams, but it's just like, you kind of got to do what you need. You either need to commit to, like you said, go all in right now and try and capitalize on this window of talent that you have right now with the Miles Garrett, the Denzel Ward, right? Yep. Once again, we'll see with Nick Chubb coming back off another really, really bad injury. But you got Amari Cooper and Joku, right? You have really foundational pieces throughout that team where you can actually make some noise and potentially make a run. Um, but like we said, all in all, really, really good year for Cleveland. Overperformed. I wouldn't be too upset outside of knowing that your football team's over uh, if you're a Browns fan. But on the flip side, down in South Florida, they lost the second game. I think that was Saturday uh, as the Miami Dolphins. And I don't know. I guess we do make hot-ish takes around here. And you're a little bit more crucial when it comes to saying, I want this coach fired or, you know, this is a job security issue. But I think with Miami, we really do need to take a look in the mirror and make drastic changes to compete specifically in the AFC. I do not think I'd feel this strongly about making such a big change if they were on the other side in the other conference. But considering they play in the AFC East and then with all the other talent in the AFC, in the conference of the AFC, I really do think Miami should look long and hard about moving on from Tua. Over their last 11 games, Matt, including the loss that they played, uh, they played Kansas City twice, Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. In those games against those teams, they only averaged 15 points. And sadly, the problems start and stop with their starting quarterback. 
He's not a playmaker. We had the conversation regarding the game manager playmaker thing a couple weeks ago, but it's true. If the play calls and the conditions are not perfect, he doesn't have the ability to escape and make improv, uh, improv, and improvise and make good plays outside of the pocket the way we see guys like Jordan Love make plays, right? In their last four games, I'll end it here. Their last four games, their biggest ones of the season, including this loss in Kansas City, he's averaging 225 yards, one touchdown, and one interception per game and a 74 quarterback rating. Just not good enough. I don't know that I could even say improvisation without. Yeah, it was tough. Well, I, I had that little like day. bump in the middle too, where like naturally I just found a way to say it, but I didn't say it correctly. Yeah. Um. So kudos to you for for figuring out the proper way to transition there. I wouldn't have. Yeah, dude. I I was wrong. I was saying all week Miami's gonna beat the piss out of the Chiefs because I I hate Kansas City. There's no way around it. I just I used to hate the 49ers. I hate Kansas City, number one now. Um, it's still not as much as Ben Simmons, but for those listening, <laughs> if you want to hear some absolute fire come out of my mouth, look back when we used to talk about Ben Simmons when he was still relevant. Um, but yeah, man, Miami just, they lived up to those numbers that Dallas was getting on the opposite end. You know, Dallas hasn't lost at home and Dallas this and Dallas that they're so great. Miami on the road was owing oh, a billion and under, you know, under this temperature, owing oh, a trillion and I just thought to myself, like, yeah, those numbers are fine, but like numbers are meant to be like streaks are meant to be broken at some point. And at some point, a team changes the overall narrative of of what's currently expected of them. And I thought Tyreek Hill was going to come out and be the MVP caliber player that I had been preaching him to be all season. And none of that happened. Um, they really put together a team that excited us early in the season and had a lot of injuries that offensive line has had trouble. Obviously losing some players on the defense was big, but the problem is Tua. And for about seven weeks now, I have been saying I like the construction of the team, but you can't pay everybody. And as Tua's contract comes up, you got to really look in the mirror, like you said, and say, hey, are we better drafting a second or third round quarterback that maybe can execute this spread style offense at an absolute discount and really lean on these playmakers. Now, I know that's not often done, but I think we're seeing more of that in the last couple of years where there are quarterbacks outside of the first that can execute these offense offenses. Um, kid from Washington, I think, would be a decent option as well. Trade up even to the first and maybe get him mid-middle of the draft. But for me, it's not Tua. I think they can fight for a Super Bowl with the skilled players they have around them, uh, around the, any quarterback. I think the defense, again, high price tags all over the place with Howard and Jalen Ramsey. It looked awesome for five or six weeks. And then you started to see the defects of having running backs that are injury prone, having guys that are slashers and you know having hamstrings and ankles and knees. And we saw the result of that ultimately being that their quarterback was just never good enough. And maybe their head coach was a little too young and not experienced enough to really push this team where they needed. My fear was that this was their window almost closing. Um, I think next year still there's, there's still opportunity with a lot of these guys still under contract, but you got to figure out the quarterback situation. And if it is Tua, you need to bring him in um, running back depth help so that you can run the ball more effectively with guys that aren't slashers. And then from the offensive line, I don't know. 
you know, how do you, how do you fix that problem when you've already invested a lot of money into that line? Yeah, exactly. And that's the conversation we're going to have all off season with Tua, with Justin Fields, right? Is, okay, we're going to put this sticker price pushing 40 million, right? Pushing the Danny Jones contract. And it's like, if we're going to, if we're committing to spending that money, right? As an organization, we're committing to spending that money on Justin, Tua, whoever it might be. Is it worth having him around or do you move to another piece that's a either worse or worth that price tag or potentially good enough through a draft pick where you can then put that money elsewhere into the O-line? Probably not a running back, but let's say into a running back, right? Help out that defensive line after your two top guys have an Achilles and an ACL, right? Um, these are the decisions that these organizations need to make this offseason. And how many guys could you plug into this McDaniel system and be maybe not a what a to have 4,500 yards passing this year, 5,000 yards, something crazy, maybe not to that extent, but someone that can actually take you on the road and win when things get tough, right? Because that's unfortunately what I saw from the first drive of the game was there was no way Tua was going to make one play to change the outcome for the Dolphins. And the one touchdown he had to Hill was an absolute duck that Tyreek just did his Tyreek thing. And I think it was like a 55 yard touchdown. So it's a bummer. You and I both like to, I don't, I don't think he's yeah. a backup, like right? Like I think he can yeah. be a starter, but for this roster and for where Miami is with all this money front loaded to their superstars, they basically need to do this next year or the year after, or else it's going to be, have to be a full blown rebuild. And then you'll have a quarterback with a $50 million tag. And you, we just, you just can't have that. Matt, how much did you say you would expect him to make per year? Well, I keep judging all this shit on, uh, I think Danny, Danny Jones, Jones Danny Jones is at 40, right? So, you, well, so, so, so you're giving him 40, right? Like just off that, I think it's fair. I, I would assume I, I'm going to say 40. Yes. Just because so, that's the market price. Guess how much they're over the cap next year? Oh, they're up there. They're like 50 over, right? Exactly 40.7. 40. Point, yeah. So they're, I knew that they're, they're already high. They're already yep. up there. They're, they're in trouble. So this is, it's going to be really interesting to see the salary cap gymnastics and what teams like Miami want to do because it, it I don't know how you make it happen, but it's worth it to move on from him and somehow get one of these young kids out of the draft. If you can somehow manage to do that. Well, yeah, it's, it's worth, worth it because it. you keep everybody except him, right? Yeah, it, it's worth it to go, you know, like, it, it, you know, do you do you go get Russ Wilson? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're going to get yeah. to the list of some of the quarterbacks. There are potential guys out there where I think that they could see a little bit of opportunity. But... Um, it's it tough, sucks, man. dude. It sucks because we do like Tua, and you don't really move away from a quarterback that you like. But we like him because he facilitates an offense at home with all of these weapons around him. And honestly, that defense underperformed. I don't care about. Well, the they injuries. all got injured, though, man. I I know, but you're paying a lot of money for big time plays to happen, and we just I don't know that we'll ever see it. I don't know that there'll ever be a moment where everybody's healthy in that defense. I mean, you have yeah. two cornerbacks that arguably at their peak performance are both top five guys. 
Yeah, Howard. I think Howard. I think Howard was out this weekend too, though. Like it's just, yeah. it's just a fucking mess out there for them injury wise. Yeah. And like, the, just that. That's why, sadly, it comes back to you're in the AFC. Tua Lamar, not a question. Tua Patrick Mahomes, not a question. Tua Josh Allen, not a question. Oh, here comes C.J. Stroud, not a question. Yep. Oh, Trevor Lawrence, equal, right? You know, probably Tua yeah. this year. Lawrence yeah. put like shit this year. I'm a big Lawrence guy, but I'll take Tua over him, right? You know, you start going on those. Oh, hey, did you forget Joe Burrow, <laughs> right? You know, Burrow. it's just the AFC is so loaded. Like Herbert they're just too, so loaded. I'll probably take Herbert, but it's same. It's probably it's, not fair to Tua. Um, right. And, you know, we 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 talked about that this year. We we don't know. And, like, a lot's going to change with that L.A. team. But you're still, like, what? You're still top 10 in the AFC. You know, like, top eight, maybe. It's, it's pretty tough, good dude. still. Still it's a tough. top 15 to 17 quarterback. You throw him on the Vikings, he's by far the, he's, what, the fifth best quarterback in the NFC, though. You know what I mean? Maybe even well, higher. That, that's, again, that's the, the problem with his situation. He just kind of got fucked. It's also, but not really because the he has money. Kill. It's the money in the roster the construction. Like, yeah, if this you put Tua in Green Bay, no problem. Right now, pay him. Cool. Everybody else discount. Everybody else is a discount yeah. except Jair, right? And Rashawn. Okay, we're paying three guys fifty million, you know, or three guys a hundred million, more likely. No problem. We're gonna run around with a bunch of twenty-three year olds out here. He's not in that situation. He's running around with a bunch of 28 year olds who are all making 20 plus a million ton dollars of money. Yeah. 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 That's true. And sadly for, I mean, he's going to have to take a discount to stay. I, I think that's the only way we see it. I mean, we and saw he, it with Danny. It didn't, it didn't work. You, if you're no. not a top 10 guy, you cannot take that portion of the salary cap. No, absolutely not. Cause they're going to lose Saquon this year too. But yep. I digress. Let's move on to the next team. This is the big one. It's the Cowboys. Uh, we talked about their misery a little bit at the front. Um, uh, I guess I'll go first. My, my take is this. I, I, I this is kind of controversial from what I've been seeing online, at least over the past 24 plus hours since uh, we're going to record this is that I necessarily don't think McCarthy should be on the hot seat as much as he is right now. I am actually putting more blame on Dak, CeeDee Lamb, and the superstars of the Cowboys for that loss more than I am Mike McCarthy, maybe not Dan Quinn. But I wanted to just break it down, right? The first three drives of the game that set the tone, obviously the first big thing, as you were probably going to mention, Matt, is that the Packers drove down 7 nothing, scored, right? First drive of the game for the Cowboys, drop pass on third and eight to Lamb. Second drive of the game, Drop pass on second down and long, which was the one that hit him right in the hands where you could start seeing him get really frustrated. Dak makes a nice throw down the field, but then ends up taking a terrible sack on third and long, forcing them out of field goal range. The third drive after the Packers are up 14-0, they go ahead, throw an interception to Jair Alexander. Now they're upset. Now you're seeing C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott feuding on the field, and what does Dak try to do after the two-minute warning? He tries to force one to C.D. Lamb. Pick six by Darnell Savage. None of that stuff is because Mike McCarthy did not get them up to play. Now, he's not blameless in what has happened today or Sunday, whatever. But I think you need to point the fingers at the superstars before we're going to go run this guy out of town, who we both are whatever about. But that's my take, Matt. What about you? 
Yeah, honestly, Matt, we're in agreement on a lot of things tonight. And I probably would have had a different opinion on this cowboy situation had that team not, you know, made it a more respectable box score. But it goes deeper than the box score for me. That team was fighting and making some of us Packer fans really nervous because of past trauma that our fandom has caused us. Boo hoo. Um, <laughs> I saw Mike McCarthy keep his guys in that game, you know, keep their focus, keep the belief that they can come back. And, you know, he had Dak been able to convert on that fourth down, had certain penalties not gone certain ways. This game could have even been more nerve wracking. But the big takeaway for this game, and I was trying to pull up the way it actually happened, so you might have to help me. Packers first drive, if I am correct. There was a penalty under on Bland yep. that forced a first down. Correct. Up until that penalty, it looked like Dallas's defense was going to make Jordan Love's day a little difficult. As soon as they got that first down, they marched on the field and score. And I saw that team respond so well to the initial pressure that Parsons was putting on love that the you know the resistance I thought we were going to have from a young wide receiver core against a pretty good cornerback in Bland and a great cornerback at least formerly of Gilbert and from Gilmore. that first Gilmore excuse me from that first drive on I was like okay like Jordan's here to play today this wide receiving core is they're going to make some plays and it just didn't stop the rest of the day I don't know what clicked because again, like I thought Parsons was going to wreak havoc the first two minutes into that game, but kudos to Matt LaFleur. Like this is his crowning moment in my consciousness in my lifetime for being a Packer fan is seeing a head coach actually go in and win a football game. And also kudos to Joe Barry. Like this game plan that they came in with was elite. I mean, they they dominated on every aspect of the game, and they just kept going. And I I just I joked before they played Dallas. I said, you know, Joe Barry can find a way to have a good defensive game and a good scheme. Like he's going to save his job. I had texted you. I said, oh my god, Joe Barry might be the head coach of a team next year. Like that's yeah. the level of performance he gave yeah, us. He had a great day. And again, this is why you construct a roster around a scheme. You trust the head coach to execute that scheme. We are probably the better team now in hindsight because we are finally operating at that, you know, 90th to 100% outcome that you expect if everything goes right. But just 10 weeks ago, you and I both were looking at who are we drafting at quarterback? Could we possibly enter the Caleb Williams sweepstakes? Because Jordan just couldn't seem to figure it out. And I think we both knew there was a better version of him than even what we saw week one or week two. I I just never expected him to probably put him in top 10 conversations going into next year. And he absolutely is after this performance. Yeah. I mean, he's on a generational run right now. Yep. Uh, hopefully not a run that we won't see reciprocated, but like it's, it's legendary stuff what he's doing right now. Uh, going back to the Cowboys, the last couple things here is is one. I, I really don't think they should get rid of McCarthy unless the guy coming in to replace him is Bill Belichick. And also, you still have a really, really good football team. You know, I. It sucks when your team loses like that, right? Like been there before, but you still got a really, really good team. Don't get rid of Dak Prescott. Don't move off a of lamb and. 
you know, don't get rid of this guy. Don't get rid of that guy. Trevon Diggs should be coming back next year. It definitely hurt not having him out there on the field for you guys in the playoffs. And I think the Cowboys will be just fine. I think they're in a much better spot than the Philadelphia Eagles are right now. They're definitely in a better spot than the Washington Commanders. And God knows what's going on out there in New York, New Jersey. So I think all is going to be fine in Jerry world. It's going to be a rough off season for these guys, but Dak had the best year of his career. Unfortunately, he did just kind of fall on old habits with some of those interceptions, but I think the blame to goes on Dak blame goes on CD chalk it up to that and better luck, better luck next year, boys. Well, Matt, the last thing I'll, I will say here, because we could probably talk for hours on this, on this game and on this team and the Cowboys, lost this game but the packers beat them yes you know like uh, not often do you see a team in the playoffs expected to win get absolutely trounced i give the credit to the green yes. Bay packers coaching staff it they had mccarthy constantly responding they had them on their heels and you know as you were talking the big takeaway i had was pollard never got a chance to get going they took elements away from dallas and then they dominated every aspect Packers won that football game, and I don't think you fire your head coach for just being completely outcoached. As ironic as that sounds, <laughs> they 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 didn't they didn't have a chance. Yeah. Um, and and the one game this season that I think replicates that too was against the 49ers, where it was just you got slapped in the face and you just didn't respond until it was too late. That's exactly yeah. what we saw this weekend. Yeah, and I covered it in the solo pod last week. Is uh, only one game all season did a Dallas Cowboys rusher go over a hundred yards. And that was just my question was just, can you be that one dimensional hmm. and win and sustain success in the playoffs? I think you can with Rogers, right? Cause that was yeah. kind of the Packer team that won the Super Bowl. James Starks was the starting running back because grant went down, but you, do, you really don't see that in the NFL where you have no run game. No respect yeah. for the run game and either get to the Super Bowl or win it. Right. Well, so Mahomes, I think it's something Pacheco was Pacheco was you know, up and coming. And same in the 49ers Super Bowl too. There uh I don't it wasn't McKinnon, I forget the guy that they had before, but he he should have won MVP the year they beat the Niners. So there's always there's always an element of yeah of like an act a, a respect of the run game, which I don't think was there in Pollard lost a lot of value this year too, man. Uh, I don't know what happened, but the well, Tony Pollard we saw two seasons ago is not the same. The game is changing when we've talked about that. And I, I think, you know, because the Rams come to mind when I think about their Super Bowl appearance. Todd Gurley had been the guy, but obviously wasn't, you know. Um, I don't even know if he was with the team, the the Rams. No, I think it was Sony Michelle was their running back. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was garbage. But, you know, we were entering out of this, you know, pass heavy quarterback dominant into now what is I think system based fits. And I, I really think that's the era we're in now. I think Jordan Love had an amazing game, but again, I give more of the credit to Matt LaFleur for putting him into that those positions. And you now need those running backs to execute and help the system operate smoothly because without Aaron Jones's performance this weekend, Jordan Love doesn't have the opportunity to hit Romeo Dobbs, you know, 15 yards wide open all around him. Because Aaron Jones was dominating and requiring more players to be in the box. And I, I think we're going to start to see the running back be more of value 
as systems really start to take control of the NFL back. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. A uh, team that loves to use their running back but didn't end up using him too successfully this weekend <laughs> was the uh, was the LA Rams. I actually put down for the Rams that similar to the Browns is like, hey, look, it's it's okay. Like you, I think they're in a really really good spot. The Rams made the playoffs this year. You and I thought they were going to win three games. You know what I mean? Um, Stafford still is at the top of his game when he's healthy. He had a pretty good season avoiding injury. I think he only missed like a game or two. Uh, Puka Nakua is, in my opinion, the rookie of the year. I think the season that he had, the record that he broke, the impact that he made on this LA Rams team is better than what CJ Stroud did for Houston. Crazy. We can have that argument later, but that's just my opinion. Um, They drafted really, really well on the defensive side of things. Aaron Donald still looks motivated and ready to play. If they can just get Cooper Cup's hamstring and body let's just say 80 to 85% of what he was in that triple crown season. They'll be totally fine next year. Um, I think for the Rams, what they need to start doing is emulating what the Packers did with love. My take super hot off the press here is that I think they're going to take a guy like JJ McCarthy, someone they can get a little bit later in the first round. Let him just sit behind Matt Stafford because he's so raw, but he has all of those intangibles that'll jump off of the stat sheet when it comes to the stuff that you see at the combine. I bet you he runs one of the best 40s. He has one of the best arms, but he's definitely not ready to be a starter next year. So I think the plan for the Rams, if McVay wants to keep staying there, is obviously stick with Stafford until he wants to retire. But I think put the plan in motion to get their guy for the next two or in the next two or three years in this draft class. Yeah, Matt. And I think you nailed it. We had expected LA to enter the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Yes. Um, you know, I'll speak for myself here. I just completely discredited the talent that is Sean McVay, the talent that is Matt Stafford. I didn't foresee them absolutely nailing their draft the way they did with few assets. This is a credit to the overall organization, and it's a showcase if McVeigh does stay for continued success. And I agree with you. I think to continue success, you have to have a quarterback in waiting because we know Stafford's days are limited because of all of the abuse he has taken in his career. Coming off a Super Bowl, having that ring for the organization, bringing it to LA, sustained success is necessary because of the potential Chargers you know, uprising that, that may come. You have to stay the number one team in your city if Harbaugh does come to the Chargers and, and flip that organization around. And I think you said it best too, Darnold being reinvigorated with a desire to play the game is really, really important because he is the anchor of that young defense now. And Puka Nakua, you know, having that pan out Again, I say at 90, 100% expected outcome, like he's elite. And then we have to hope Cooper Cup, like you said, this was not the end or the ending of a great career, just an injured season. Because if you get a double dual paired wide receiver core with Matt Stafford and a young quarterback in waiting, you have a foundation to build this system and to replenish this system moving forward. And lastly, for taking McCarthy, you know, you're going to shout as fans, Raider fans, oh, no, we have other needs. Are those other needs as valuable right now as having the quarterback of the future? Just look at Green Bay. 
that's the direct correlation because when Stafford's done, he will be ready and you will then be able to build around him and you will have the money to build around him. Totally. And, and there's only a few teams in this like privileged position, right? Yes. With a Matt Stafford. If the Vikings bring back Kirk Cousins, right? Yep. Like I think there's just a couple guys that are just really at the twilight of their career ring chasing at this point that are still really, really good and could be great mentors for a young quarterback, right? Um, I, I think this is the no, the no, no brainer play here. Or else you end up here. We go. This is a good transition to the next team, like Pittsburgh, right? <laughs> they didn't. They didn't have the backup plan for Big Ben when he was retiring a couple seasons ago. They draft Pickett. You and I are eh about him in that whole class coming out. And after watching them lose against Buffalo today, man, I was like, you know what? This team is a contender. Like this is a real contender. Going back to what we were saying about the Browns, they play in this ridiculously tough division. I genuinely think they're quarterback away. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are one very good quarterback away from being in the AFC championship game and competing with the top, top tier teams because their overall roster is well constructed right now. And I think unlike what we were talking about with the Rams is that they need to target an already proven, we'll call them in quotes, veteran quarterback here. I got on my list top targets and must haves for this offseason for Pittsburgh, Russ Wilson. Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, or Kirk Cousins. I think if they can go out and get one of those guys, that'll completely change the trajectory of that team going into 2024, 2025. They obviously have one of the best player, if not the best player on defense in TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. Their skill position players are really good. Franchise tag or bring back Najee on a one-year deal with him and Jalen Warren looked really, really good throughout the second half of the season. And I think they can really compete with Baltimore, Cincinnati, um, Buffalo Bills, and obviously Kansas City. Yeah, Matt. And I don't have a whole lot to add for Pittsburgh, but I will say this. If you're not going to bring in a veteran quarterback, it is time for a complete blow up because you're not going to beat any of these teams in the AFC with Kenny Pickett. Right. He's just not good enough. And I am more than eh on Kenny Pickett. I'm completely <laughs> out. If I'm in the XFL, I will have a guy kick my wide receivers the balls. I am that far out on Kenny Pickett. I don't even want him as my bench warmer. So with that being said, if you can't get one of these quarterbacks that is established, if you can't go ahead and trade Cincinnati for their backup, which would not happen because it's interdivisional, I'm trading Watt, I'm trading Minka, and I'm going full rebuild as fast as possible, and I'm building the foundation of that defensive line and that offensive line with the hope that we can turn this around in two or three years when some of these more privileged, established, dominant quarterbacks of the AFC are a little bit older and salary caps are a little bit higher. But I'm all in on going for one of those four guys. I love Russell or Kirk in that system. I think it would be interesting to see Justin and Kyler in the system as well. You obviously have more time and it extends your window with one of those two, but you're also incurring a price tag for maybe a player that isn't worth it. I think we're probably sure. both in agreement there, but Kirk and Russell, as you said, ring chasing, very, very good quarterbacks. I have disrespected Russell and I think rightfully so. And I will <laughs> say, he, you know, I would be happy with where he is now as a quarterback, but also we do have to be realistic and think to ourselves that entering into a new system, there are going to be some bumps and bruises there as well. 
Um, Kirk's coming off the Achilles. You know, Russell obviously was not great in his first season in Denver, and it took uh, almost halfway through this year for him to really get his groove, and they benched him. Um, but yeah, I, I think they are absolutely a quarterback away. And if they choose not to, it's it's time to really cash in those assets because you have some incredible players on this team that I think would bring in a huge haul. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, last team, the biggest loser of the weekend. Ooh. The Philadelphia Eagles. This is my take. It's kind of fun. So I put Philadelphia Eagles. It is safe to say, Matt, that the Niners took any life and the last bit of pride from Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. I did not think this year or maybe ever again that I would see a team give up on their coaching staff the way that the Chargers had given up on Brandon Staley until I saw what the Eagles did in the first round of the playoffs tonight. It was an utter embarrassment. Nick Sirianni has to go. The coaching staff has to go. And what the Niners did, I think seven, eight weeks ago to the Eagles, started a collapse. I don't know. We will see again for a while in the NFL. What a catastrophe, disappointment, disgusting end to the season for the Philadelphia Eagles, man. I'm, I'm shocked that it went this bad. Before I let you go, I'll read you some stats that I took down. So I ran the numbers. The Eagles were averaging, as an offense, 28 points per game before the Niners' loss. I did not even include the Niners' loss into the next stat, but post-loss to the Niners, <laughs> the Eagles averaged 18 points per game, a whole 10 points less after they played the Niners. Their offense fell apart. Their defense had holes all season. Just honestly, we say the word unprecedented after COVID so much, but it really was an unprecedented collapse. I can't even remember one this bad in my recent memory. You know, one big takeaway I had coming into this weekend was, you know, Green Bay's defense is horrible. They allowed the Buccaneers to score X amount of points on them. And I was like, yeah, you know, Pretty true statement right there. Um, and then the Panthers stat was thrown out there, and I was like, okay, well, Panthers suck, so maybe the Buccaneers do too. And then you get to today, and Baker Mayfield goes for 337, three touchdowns, no picks. Wow, pretty good, right? Number one receiver, eight receptions. I don't even know who this is. Cade Otten. What? What's their tight the- end? Oh, sure. What? Yeah. Kate Otten. <laughs> we were concerned about the secondary. The Eagles were concerned about the secondary so much so that they went and traded for a very good safety. How did that work out? Cade Otten, eight receptions, 89 yards. Oh my God. Um, 22 overall receptions by Tampa Bay's wide receivers. Mike Evans, only 48 yards. Godwin, only 45 yards. But Baker Mayfield, really delivered. And I'm impressed with the Buccaneers. I think they should be praised for this victory, but I think you're right, Matt. I think what the Niners did was completely stifle their number one opponent in the NFC. They, they just took the souls out of their body in that game. And I think when you are an older team, 
when you are a very physical team, you cannot afford to lose the momentum that you were riding coming off that Super Bowl. And that is exactly what the 49ers did. I think injuries really caught up to the Eagles. I think age caught up to the Eagles. I think yep. the realization that they are not the best team in the NFC really demoralized them. And then losing the maybe, you know, we talk about glue guys. AJ Brown really set a tempo for this offense. Losing him probably was the nail in the coffin. And I think Jalen Hurts is more hurt than we may know. And that may come out in the next few weeks. But this team is in trouble. They're aging out of the league with that offensive line. Um, they're going to really have to lean on that young defensive line that they've invested so many assets and draft picks into to really start to be the foundation of their identity. They're going to have to figure out a real running back in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's what was really interesting about seeing the game today and kind of the downfall is last year we were so... Observe, you know, you could just tell that they were the best team in the trenches offensively and defensively. Both sides of the ball today against Tampa Bay specifically, they were just getting blown off the ball, dude. And to your point, they're getting old, out-toughed, out-physicaled. And I think you and I might have been a little off this year, bro. Like We were like, oh, look at Howie Roseman. They're doing this. They're doing that. And I think he overextended himself, right? He brought in the names the past uh, achievements, but to your point with Bayard, like it just didn't all coexist the way that it needed to, to be a successful team. And I don't know, man, I think they're, I think their older guys are going to retire. I think Kelsey and some Fletcher Cox and some of these other guys are, reti- are going to retire. And I think that'll help push them forward. Right. But I don't know if it's time for a full blow up, but losing their coordinators clearly hurt them this year. And um, they've got a long, long way to go. It's going to be a bad offseason in Philly. I think Sirianni's got to go. I don't love calling for jobs, but I think he's got to go. Well, and it just sucks for fan bases when you you see windows come and then go so quickly. And I, know, I don't want to write the Eagles off next year. That's not fair. But the reality is you're probably losing Lane Johnson and you're probably losing Kelsey. Even if they come back, their effectiveness, if you're Madden players, you know what regression looks like, right? You get frustrated because your 38-year-olds go from a 92 to like a 68. Um, you know, Jokes aside, but the reality is they are older. And you cannot continue to think that like it's okay. We saw this second half of the season, age caught up, injuries caught up. And I, I still think Roseman did a great job with roster construction, but the big weakness, the secondary and the running back position were the absolute fatal flaw of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I will always remember how reports came out that Jonathan Taylor, you know, and Philadelphia was interested and it's like, damn, he really would have helped this week. But at the end of the day, offensive lines older, AJ Brown's out. Can you really expect anything less than a loss in the first round? I was not surprised when I tuned in and saw the score. I was like, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. And if it is the death of this window for them, it's unfortunate for Philly fans. Yeah, I agree. They were close. They were really close. Got screwed last year on that call. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to the games this weekend. So we'll start Saturday afternoon. We got CJ Stroud's Houston Texans are going to Baltimore. I have no idea about the weather, how any of that's going to look. So... 
Uh, I apologize to the listener for that one. That was the only thing I didn't really necessarily do homework on. We're recording this kind of early in the week, so I don't even know how accurate that'd be. What I can tell you is that Baltimore is an eight and a half point favorite at home. Most importantly, we're on the, we're on the gambling side of things here. This is what I'll say is that Houston is this feel good story. They're very, very similar to what we're seeing with Green Bay right now but they have not seen a defense to the caliber of Baltimore. The last team was about, it was about six weeks ago. They played the jets. That's when CJ Stroud actually got concussed. They had six points. They got dominated by the jets. Uh, Stroud didn't go out till second half, third or fourth quarter. So I don't feel necessarily as confident as I did last week that they were going to beat the Browns, right? I thought that they were going to play for the moment. They were at home so on and so forth. Now, in my opinion, there's two big takeaways and two keys to beating Baltimore. If you want to beat the Ravens, which is not an easy task is a slow down the run. Ravens lead the league in rushing, rushing attempts, yards per attempt. It's about five yards per game. If you can force them to pass, which is not the way to completely win, it'll help them make them one dimensional. The biggest thing, in my opinion, of stopping the Ravens is do not give up the big play. Lamar in the passing offense are averaging 11 yards per pass and they're top five in the league in explosive plays. That's Lamar Jackson. He is explosiveness embodied, right? And I think if Houston can make the, the, the Ravens a little bit one dimensional, not give up all these 20 plus yard plays, not let Lamar Zay flowers, potentially Mark Andrews and the other guys get behind him. I think they have a chance. You know, I talked about LaFleur and Joe Barry getting a lot of the credit for Green Bay's victory against the Cowboys. I think the only chance that Houston has is to really take the spotlight off what C.J. Shroud is and has done so far and really place it on D'Amico Ryans. This is his opportunity as a head coach to really put his stamp on the league as the general of the you know Houston Texans. Um, I, I don't think he's gotten enough credit. For what he's done with that defense, very young, you know, and, and inconsistent at times. And there isn't really a name yet that we're like, oh, that's their superstar. But Stingley has played very well. We talk a lot about Sauce Gardner in that draft class. Stingley has finally started to show himself he as a good. top 10 pick. Um, Will Anderson, the decision to move up in that draft, as we talked about when he was taken, well, Houston may not be, you know, drafting that highly again for a while. Boom, playoff appearance absolutely the right call. And I think we're going to see him have a nice game or at least apply pressure to Lamar. Um, but I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be the difference maker in this game for better or for worse. And we have to remember coming over from a really good organization like he did with the 49ers, he has a pedigree of, of going up against good teams. I think the Ravens should win this pretty easily. Same. But... I think it's an opportunity for D'Amico Ryans to show the league how important hiring a defensive-minded head coach can be. If the Houston Texans win this game, he should be immediately vaulted into, I would say, maybe even top five coach in the league. Um, you know, then that might be a little aggressive since I don't have the list in front of me, but I think he is their chance to beat Baltimore. Yeah, I I'd, I'd totally agree with your sentiment. Um, I don't love betting games that have this big of a spread, but if what I was going right to put it, it's eight and a half. If I was going to mm -hmm. put a pick, I would take 
the Ravens at eight and a half. Like I, I could see them easily winning this game by 10 points. Um, it's going to be tough for Stroud to move the ball. It's going to be tough for those receivers to get open. And then on the flip side, you know, before they had the pick sixes against Flacco, they uh, the Houston Texans were giving up a lot of big plays down the field to yeah. the receivers and David and Joku. Uh, I don't know what the status of Mark Andrews is back uh, of him being back is, but if he's back, oh, man, it's going to be tough. Kyle Hamilton should be healthy. The Ravens are rested, right? Like I, I think all signs point to the Ravens. Eight and a half is a big, big number though for gambling, but I, I would have to lean that way if, if I was going to make a pick or just for our listeners out there, just my suggestion personally. Yeah. And I, and I think this also from a betting perspective could be easy for people to be like, well, wow, the Packers were seven and a half dogs on Sunday and the Ravens and the Cowboys are, are pretty, you know, pretty good teams. The Ravens are far better than the Cowboys. And I don't think the Texans are as good as the Packers. I, I know they're not. Uh, they have a lot of holes on, on the defensive side. And CJ has covered up a lot of those holes, um, you know, with his ability to kind of make big plays and, and, and will his team to victories. I think the Ravens do win this pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens have the nastiest linebacking duo mm-hmm. in all of football. Yep. A great defensive line by rejuvenated Jadavian Clowney and arguably the best secondary in football. Like this defense is, I mean, this is it for the Ravens, right? Like talk about window. This is it. We said it, I want to say a month, month and a half ago. The king is wounded. There is chinks in the armor of the Kansas City Chiefs. If there is a year for Josh Allen, for Lamar Jackson to win the Super Bowl or at least get there, it is this year. And you know, if there's just two dudes on a podcast who love football talking about it, you damn well know. They know that in their locker room and they might come out and uh, give CJ problems. They played earlier in the season. Um, I don't have it in my notes exactly what week, but the Ravens beat them 25 to nine early, yeah. early, early. I think in September. All right, let me get a drink of water here. And then we will move on to our game. I don't have Matt. Do you mind looking up for me on the website? I'm looking at right now. I don't have the spread. The last I saw for the Packer game, I thought I saw nine and a half. The site that I have right now doesn't have anything, but I'll get to my notes while you look that up here. Um, I think this is the funnest part about this game this weekend, and I'm going to try and keep this mindset as a diehard fan, but this is what's freaking awesome about where the Packers and the Texans are as well. But the benefit for the Packers this weekend is two things. One, they have nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing. They've cleared and exceeded all expectations. But two, and most importantly, Matt, is they have the best quarterback in this game. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the pod. Jordan Love is on a generational run right now. And I, I said, you could throw the stats out the window. Matt, look at the throws on third down. Look at the fadeaway. Look at the presence outside the pocket. Look at the ball placement, decision-making, changing the calls at the line. He is playing like a top-five quarterback right now. He's playing better than Brock Purdy's playing right now. 
And I think the Packers probably going to lose. But with the best quarterback in the game, you have a chance. You know, objectively, I'm going to go from the objective perspective here as best I can. We had this narrative about San Francisco pretty much all season that, you know, it was a foregone conclusion that they will win the Super Bowl if health, you know, uh, continues. Then they got spanked by the Ravens, a team that I think we both thought that week while talking, you know, could beat them. My takeaway that week was Lamar's got to go third level. But it wasn't even Lamar that won that game. It was the defense for the Ravens that absolutely came out and just took Brock Purdy's weapons away from him and, and made him look like a game manager. And I don't think the Packers are that far off from the Ravens defense. Jair Alexander has the ankle injury. Listen, listen, that far off, as in I don't think that they have a bad defense, okay? I don't think they're you know the best defense in the league, but Jair Alexander, ankle injury, that's that's hard, right? Rookie cornerback has played very, very well, well in Valentine. Rashawn Gary's playing well. Kenny Clark is on another level right now. The linebackers are playing well. They're playing fast to the ball. They're playing aggressive. All traits that the Ravens emulate as well. Again, not as good, but not as far off as I think people are giving them. Right now, they're 10-point underdogs. To me, that's just ridiculous. Um, when you have a defense that can be very good, as we saw this past week, probably going to have trouble with the weapons for the 49ers. But 10 points, when you have a better quarterback on the opposite side of the ball, when you have a Pro Bowl, All-Pro cornerback, when you have a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level edge rush, it's ridiculous. Objectively, of course. Um, as a fan, I'm terrified of the 49ers. I, I'm going to be at work, and I don't <laughs> want to watch this game because I'm truly traumatized by the 49ers. But I, I think 10 points is ridiculous. Um, and having the Ravens have smacked the 49ers, I think the Packers can win this game. Um, I'm blown away right now. I'm on, I'm on DraftKings. 10 points. I don't know what the fuck they're thinking. Um, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I, that's a lot. They're thinking it's the Niners, you know, like that. That's what it is, right? I get that. But the Ravens showed the world that the Niners aren't necessarily something to be scared by. And you talked about it. The NFC is far weaker than the AFC. And I think our I think our general public narrative of the of the 49ers is wrong. Yeah, well, the Niners, I mean, that's the key. You you had kind of mentioned it as you were making your, your light comparison of the Packers to the Ravens defense is that. The Ravens won that game because they forced turnovers, right? Yep. If the Packers are in the green in turnover margin on this game, they have an opportunity. They're, they're going to have to force Purdy, I'd say throw two interceptions this weekend to have a chance, right? They cannot let Debo and Christian McCaffrey control the time of possession, hammer them at the line of scrimmage. They need to make the Niners one-dimensional as best as possible, right? Because I agree with you, Matt. I think Jair can line up with Ayuk, uh, Debo, who's their third guy, Jennings, right? I think Kittle has always been an issue for the Packers. I think he matches up a lot better against our secondary. I think that's the big mismatch. But if they can make Purdy put him into must-throw situations, that's what got him in trouble against Baltimore. And that's what they did early on to Dak Prescott. Yes, Lamb was dropping some balls and they made some bonehead mistakes, 
in must throw must go situations is when he threw those two interceptions in the first half. So, um, I obviously won't be betting this game. I would bet on the Packers. I think at plus 10, uh, past trauma just makes any gambling advice though. Yep. From me on this game, irrelevant yep. because I, 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 I do agree with you, but I could also see us losing my 40. You know, so, uh, but that's that's the fan in me. I, I don't think that's an objective opinion. Well, I, I think we, I think there's a lot of outcomes here. I think Jordan could be slowed, um, but I, I still think even a bad game for Jordan Love, I think we see a game manager, and I'm okay, and I'm okay with that. Um, this game is again on Joe Barry. Like, if he can emulate what the Ravens did, not only does have again, not only does he have his job next year, we're talking. Talking head coach possibilities, and I, yeah, a I'm, a be- I'm a believer after what he just did. If he can put a defense out there that stops the 49ers and allows Green Bay to move on, he will. He he'll he'll have my blessing for the rest of time. Um, <laughs> and I'm shocked. I'm saying that, but I I warned you that when Joe Barry's job's on the line, he responds. Um, yeah. And I and I think this defense is completely disrespected. I think they hate every team at a level not seen you know since other underdog stories because they've been disrespected all season jordan's been disrespected this team has nothing to lose like you said and that is the absolute most dangerous thing when you're a team like the 49ers who's as we talk windows closing the window is fucking closing like your (laughs) cap is outrageous well yeah and and not even the cap it's like if they don't at least make it and yeah. probably win the Super Bowl. The season is a catastrophic failure. Failure. That is that is the difference of the two teams coming in. Now, I trust the Niners to not play as tight as Dallas. You know, they're they're just kind of a looser team. They come out of the tunnel with the jukebox and all that shit, right? Um, but it is an all time failure if they don't at least show up to Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's the type of pressure. One pick six an early mistake will do to that team. Whereas the Packers are like, oh yeah, this is the guy that just replaced Aaron Rodgers. Like he's supposed to suck anyways. It's crazy. It's well, crazy, man. And we mentioned it while we were doing pre-recording notes. This is Matt LaFleur's chance to really oh, shake yeah. himself loose from the the Shanahan coaching tree. You know, it's him, it's McVay, it's Shanahan. And then you have the coaching tree that's split off from McVay and now Shanahan, right? Um, this is Matt LaFleur's chance to really show the league that he is his own individual. I, I think we saw that with Dallas, but he's got to shake big time playoff losses to the 49ers. And he gets the opportunity to go and finally and execute his system. Not having Aaron Rodgers make decisions, not having Aaron Rodgers audible out, not having Aaron Rodgers throw to the wrong receiver when one is wide open in the middle of the field. Matt <laughs> LaFleur gets to operate his offense with his defensive coordinator who he has stood behind and backed. This is a chance for him to cement himself as Green Bay's head coach for the next 10 years. And if I think if the Packers win this game, I think they win the Super Bowl. I, I agree with you. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, I have a question for you. We're moving on to the next game. Let's go Packers, baby. Um, does Tampa shock the world next week in Detroit? Yes. Why? I just don't think the Lions are actually that good. Elaborate. If we really look at 
the overall season record of the Lions, and I will pull it up as I'm talking about this. I think when you talk about um, having been battle tested, there's a lot of questions that come into you know my concerns. Um, I, I'm not sold on Jared Goff as being the guy that can win a Super Bowl or make the biggest difference in a game. I think if you were to really ask me, I would take Baker over Goff. Well, from what we've seen this year, I mean, we're talking about two great games, Packers and now this past week against, or just today against the Eagles. Um, and I think when we actually look at the roster, I'll take Mike Evans over St. Brown. I will take their defense over the Lions. Offensive line goes to the Lions. Um, I will take from a scheme perspective, the Buccaneers. I like the Buccaneers almost on every single level more than I like the Lions outside of maybe the running back position. Um, Laporta's injury, I think, plays into that as well. Um, he I, played I, last week somehow. I don't know. Yeah, how. but lingering, right? Like we saw right. with Jair, like at some point of the They're game, hurt. It, you're hurt. Um, I think it's the Buccaneers, man. I, I, I really feel strongly about that. Yeah, I have a really weird feeling about them as well. My only issue with Baker is the same issue I have with Goff. It's, it's the same thing, man. They just make timely mistakes. And even tonight in the game against the Eagles, they should have won that game in the second quarter. And they just kind of let Philadelphia hang around because they couldn't finish off possession, took a bad sack to get them out of field goal range, right? And Baker just does that shit sometimes. Uh, what was funny about doing the research, because I just had to look. I was like, I don't think either one of these defenses hold up great in the past game. I was right. Tampa and Detroit are third and fourth. Uh, they give up the third and fourth most passing yards to quarterbacks in the NFL. They average giving up 13 receptions a game to wide receivers. The big difference when it came down to just the overall stats was that the Lions are the best team against the run. And that's the only thing that's making me a little bit hesitant. But why I wanted to ask you the question is because Rashad White does just enough, if not more than just enough to keep the defense on their toes. And if we get ourselves into a game where Tampa Bay cannot run the ball and has to throw and is completely one dimensional, that makes me nervous that Baker is going to screw up and make a, uh, make a mistake. Now, on the flip side, same thing with golf, right? But you had mentioned it, that run game in the running back duo in Detroit is elite. Their offensive line is great. But Levante David. And Devin White are healthy, bro. And we've seen those guys wreck a Sunday for us. They looked good and fresh tonight. If they can slow down Montgomery and Gibbs, uh, we could have ourselves a good old Mayfield golf shootout. And I scoffed at your comment, but um, I'd have to do more research. Golf and Mayfield, I, I think Baker has earned himself a generous multi-year extension to be the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving forward, 100%. If I've got my life on the line and you, I have to pick between the two. I'm taking Baker too. There's not right. even a thought. He's like a golf gamer. is golf is gone. So I pulled it up, Matt, the schedule. Two things catch my eye. Um, only one loss at home. That was against the Seahawks. They lost to the Ravens on the road. Got absolutely blown out 38 to six. This is the Lions I'm speaking on. Lost right. in Green Bay. 
29-22. And I think that game wasn't even as close as that, correct? No, 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 no. They they lost at home at on home. Thanksgiving. Oh, yes, yes, correct. Sorry. Um, but the Packers handled that pretty well. That they was whooped a, their ass. Whooped yeah. their ass, yeah. Uh, at the Bears, 28-13. At the Cowboys, 2019. The only team that I'm impressed that they beat was the Buccaneers, 20-6. At Tampa Bay. Um, I'm not going to give them an impressive win against the Packers. That team is, it's a different team. It's almost totally. as if we played in different years. I'm not impressed that they beat the, she- the Chiefs the first week. The Chiefs are garbage. Like they're, to me, they're, they're not a football team. They're propped up by a Hall of Fame head coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame tight end. Everything else is in, in question on that team. Um, this Lions team has not really gone up against a great team and won. Um, if anything, they've been destroyed by the Ravens. I think the Buccaneers, they beat the Packers. They beat a good Packers team. They beat a Packers team when the Packers had still a little bit of momentum. And I think the Packers are way better than the Lions. So I think the Buccaneers win and I think they win pretty easily. I, I think the only chance the Lions have is because they're at home. <laughs> yeah. So you're taking the Bucks plus the six for sure. Um, I actually oh, also like the buck the Bucks plus the six. Uh they also Tampa beat uh Green Bay after Green Bay had just beaten Detroit. Yep. So fun fact there. Okay, let's go to the last game. Uh do, do you have a line for the last game on this website I'm on? I might have to stop using it. Freaking sucks. Doesn't have anything. Uh, Kansas City Buffalo. Do you have uh, you got live line for me? If I had to guess while we're sitting here, I'm going to say Buffalo minus two and a half is what they have. I'm looking right now. Um, let's see. Divisional round. That would help. Yep. Um, ESPN doesn't like us. We can just dive into it. I'll find it for you. Yeah, you're good. Um, so I didn't even have a ton of notes. Uh because I didn't think this game was necessary for notes. I think this is pretty straightforward about what we're looking at here when it comes to what is at stake. And Minus in my and opinion, bills. Yeah, there you go, dude. Do I, do I gamble? Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> I think this is pretty straightforward, man. Chiefs, Buffalo, Mahomes, Allen. This is the biggest game of Josh Allen's life. I think there is so much damn pressure on Josh Allen to win this game this week because if he does not, the stain on his resume for not being able to get over the Kansas City Chief, Patrick Mahomes hump, will be so big that no matter what he does moving forward, unless he rips off three to four Super Bowls, which I I like Allen, hopefully he does, I don't think he'll ever be able to get away from that narrative that Mahomes and the Chiefs have their number. The Bills are by far the better team offensively, defensively. I wouldn't say they're better coached, but there is no reason the Bills should not win and cover this upcoming weekend at home in Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game. Can you believe that? Only way they lose this game, that being the Bills, is if they get outcoached. And I mean severely outcoached. Um, McDermott shouldn't even, I mean, he he should just sell his home and immediately <laughs> jump on a plane so he can leave Buffalo because I would fire him two seconds after this game ends. 
I, I mean what I said. I think the Chiefs are a poser. I think they're I agree. a bad football team propped up by some great talent. And I think Allen can answer the call. I think he can overcome the pressure. I, I, I believe he is that kind of quarterback. We have seen it in the past when when things when he meets adversity, he rises to the occasion. And I think this entire game will be him kind of looking at that adversity of Patrick Mahomes and the narrative that there is out there of him and and will be rising to it. The question is weather, and I mean literally weather. The weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm curious if it's going to make it difficult for a air raid to really operate properly because I would like to see Allen just go out there and zing it 40 times, just absolutely devastate that secondary. I'm hoping they beat him by 20. And... I don't know that the weather will allow that. Again, I've got 24. Again. I've got 24 in sunny in quotes. Sunny. Love that. Love uh, that. 12, 12 mile an hour winds. That's nothing though. You know, uh, in Buffalo. I mean, we're a week. We're basically a week out. So shit could change. It it's going to snow Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But <clears throat> looks like that stops uh, for the weekend. You know, I have this eerie feeling, though, that. You know, we talk about not calling for coaches on the hot seat. We've been, I have been calling for McDermott's job for years now. Um, I had this eerie feeling that this is going to cost them by not have letting McDermott go in years past. And um, all I can think of is, you know, had the Chargers not fired Staley and they're in a position where it's like, oh, well, of course, Staley lost them the game, like should never have been here anyways. But I don't think we're going to see that situation come out. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be that bad. Where where it's something so egregious. I, I'm almost more nervous that Josh is too pumped up and he kind mm. of reverts to the over reckless. I need to play hero Josh Allen football that happens every 15 games. You know how he used to do it when he first came back in the league. Yeah, that's what I'm a little nervous for. Where it's like. He's trying to hurdle guys and he's flipping the ball backwards and just doing crazy shit. You know, he gets a little crazy sometimes um, because this is this is a big one for him. This game means way more to, to Buffalo than it does to Kansas City. And, you know, I've been pretty harsh about that organization in Buffalo McDermott, their drafting strategy, blah, blah, blah. If you've listened to this, you know. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I'm rooting for Josh this weekend. I'm ready to see Kansas City go home before the AFC Championship yep. for the first time in Mahomes' career. Ready to see them face a little adversity, cry on the road, maybe get a buildo thrown at their face. You know, like I, I, I think this is the perfect time, the perfect situation for it to happen. And like, as a football fan, to kind of wrap up the pod because we've we've gone a little long today is like. I think we as football fans deserve a Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen go for the Super Bowl because both of those guys deserve a shot at the title. Mahomes can sit out one damn year. You know what I mean? They go on, go on vacation with Kelsey and Taylor Swift, right? Go to the Bahamas or fucking Cabo or wherever rich people go, right? Let's let Lamar and Allen duke this out. Um, I'm just praying for that this weekend. Yeah, I, to wrap, you said it best. I I think the NFL NFL fans deserve a change of the guard. Now, if the Bills lose, I am going to absolutely love the Baltimore Ravens just absolutely destroying Kansas City by 40 points. They will win sure. by 40. They will it, it, mop the floor. You might it. as well just quit at halftime because you have no chance. 
But I think the Bills have a chance against the Ravens, not because I think they match up well or they're a better team. I think because when you get to that opportunity of the AFC championship, everybody comes to play. And those two teams, it's going to be an absolute showdown. And NFL fans also deserve that. They deserve an AFC championship that matters. And I mean, you could be looking at an NFC championship game of the Buccaneers and Green Bay Packers. Yeah, hey, it's a rematch, Likely, boys. Not, not so, but um, how different both of these conferences are shaping up at the end of, uh, I guess, the middle of January, but here as we go towards the end of January. Yeah. Cool, guys. Well, thank you for hanging in there with us, guys. You can find us Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at Pod. Have a great weekend.